119. Um, we pick up the reading with starting with verse 65. If you guys want to go ahead and be seated. And we're going to 72. You've dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I know your word. You are good and do good to your, teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better for me than 10,000 pieces of gold and silver. In this section, the psalmist mentions that he is attacked by his enemies for upholding God's law and that he will not turn from the law. He states that the law is the most important thing to him than any material possession. This is a great lesson for us today. How much do we value the law? Do we uphold all God's statutes and is law the most important thing to us? In the world we live in today, it is easy to get caught up in material possessions and the trappings of the world. I've done it. We all have. But let's not lose sight of the most important thing in this world, and that is we are the servants of the only risen Lord, and we must adhere to his teachings and live a life that is worthy of him. Before we head into praise and worship, let us recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You can sing with us, you know. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. And together we sing. Everyone sing. Holy is the The earth 
Now is the time in the service for communion. If you are a baptized believer in Christ, then we invite you to join in the breaking of bread with us. 
Today, I want to look at Hebrews 9, 18, 18 through 22, and the verses will be on the screen. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken, every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves, goats, with water, steel wool, or scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled the he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The last line I just read, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. We are told we must examine ourselves and make sure our lives line up with the word of God before we partake of communion. If not, if it doesn't line up, then we must repent. When we take communion and drink the juice, which represents Christ's blood, we are receiving forgiveness for the sins that we have committed and for deviating from the narrow road in which we must walk. By eating the wafer, which symbolizes the body of Christ, we are sealing God's covenant with us, that through Christ, if we repent and turn from our sins and seek forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. As we partake of this communion, please let us not forget its importance. Help us to remember the covenant you have made with us. Search us, God, and if we've fallen short of your laws, then show us and allow us to repent. Bless this communion as we enter into, into a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Matthew 25 ministries, the pill bottle donations, and I saw Karen this morning with some some things. I'm ashamed that I've not done it, but I just learned recently how to get those labels off of there. But uh, if you want to do that, that um, the donations, empty plastic bottles, um, they use those, they shred them and recycle them and that. And if you have any questions, contact Amy. And you do not want to throw away your used ink cartridges because we can recycle them and it reduces the cost for the church on the office supplies. And so you contact uh, Carol. She, oh, oh, there you are. Uh, the, the food pantry and the clothes closet. It's every Thursday from 5 to 7 in the evening. And I tell you what, I, when you built that thing for the men's clothes and all clothes, it looks like a boutique. I keep telling people that. you got to come to our boutique, you know. But that's every Thursday. Women's Bible study, the empty nesters are studying the book of Galatians, Thursdays at 10 o'clock at Ruth Liming's home. But if you have questions, you need to contact Cheryl, Cheryl Punchett. Sorry, Cheryl. Oh, refit. Yeah, that's my favorite one because this is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so you have to take care of it. You know, if you're all decrepit and all sitting and watching TV all day, so this refit, it's free. It's free anything that's free fitness class but it's tuesdays and thursdays from 6 30 to 7 30 here at heartland and contact Kristen nay or there's a i don't know what that i don't have a computer so whatever that is <laughs> oh there's more mellon ridge nursing home church ministry this is a fourth sunday of the month i i heard about this i don't know if anybody's been to it but it's two o'clock you're going too fast and she said, get her off the stage. Tyson offerings, offering boxes at the back in the sanctuary. Now, is that it? Oh, okay. Bye. Thank you, Patty, for doing that. If you were here last time I spoke, we talked about James 5 and the patience we must have and the suffering we must endure as we wait upon the return of the Lord. Today we will be looking at the book of Jude. Jude is one of the smallest books of the Bible. It's one chapter. It can, contains 25 verses. If you will turn in your Bibles to Jude, if you need help finding it, it's the last book in the New Testament before you get to Revelation. Once you get there, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The title of today's sermon is Contending for the Faith Among False Prophets. The Word of God says, Jude a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved and the God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were de uh, designated for condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the word of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. 
just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undoing a punishment of eternal fire, or I'm sorry, undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in like manner, these people, also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But those people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by what they, by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by waves, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of sea casting the, up the foam of their own scheme, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been res, reserved forever. It is also about these that Enoch, the seventh son of Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of the holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken to him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire, to show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the Lord our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I know Jude's not a popular book, so before we get started with the message, I wanted to provide you with some of the facts about the book of Jude. The date of authorship is not known, but most scholars think it was written between 60 and 64 AD. Most believe that it was written before 70 AD, as the fall of Jerusalem, which occurred in 70 AD, is not mentioned in this letter or epistle. The author Jude... There's six different guys in the name in the Bible named Jude in the New Testament. Out of them, the most likely is Jude, the brother of James and half brother of Jesus. This is shown in verse one when Jude says, "I am a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James." 
He calls himself a servant, which most likely was to avoid name dropping and bragging about his relationship to Christ. Another source references this Jude to be the author of the epistle. That source is one of the early church fathers named Clement. In his letter, Cassiodorus, Clement says, Jude, who wrote the Catholic epistle, the brother of the brother of the sons of Joseph, and very religious, while keeping near the relationship of the Lord, yet did not say that he himself was brother. But what said he? Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, of him is Lord, but the brother of James. For him this is true. He was the brother, the son of Joseph. So through Jude's own words and the church father Clement's identification of Jude, we can be confident in saying that Jude was a brother of Jesus and is the author of this letter. Now that we have a little bit of background with the book, let's get into the message. President John F. Kennedy once said, And my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. While this is a great message from President Kennedy, and with all due respect I say, ask not what God can do for you, but ask what you can do for God. One of the things that we can do for God is to take a stand against false teachers within the church and to defend the faith that was given to all the saints. Today we will be looking at the teachings in the book of Jude and how we can accomplish this. Before we do, let us pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today and for your many blessings. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. Teach us what it is you want us to learn. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Jude starts right into his message after he introduces himself. He begins his epistle by, when I say epistle, it's another word for letter, by warning us against false teachers. In verses 3 and 4, he says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master, Lord and Lord Jesus Christ. Jude was not talking about those outside the church who seek to spread lies about God and Christ. He was talking about a more ominous warning of those false teachers who have planted themselves in the church. False teachers have been planting themselves in the church since the beginning of time. In verse 8, Jude says, Yet in like manner these people, also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious one. And this, we also see this in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4. If a prophet, a dreamer of dreams, arises among you and gives you a sign of wonder, and then a sign of wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to those words of the prophet or that of dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord with all your God, all your heart, and all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice uh, and serve him and hold fast to him. 
Jude was warning against false teachers that have been in the church since the beginning. We need to be wary of anyone who teaches anything that goes against God's word. That includes Derek, Dan, and myself. Always take what we say and line it up with the word of God to make sure it matches. If it does, then you know it's safe to believe it. If it does not match, then dismiss what we say. In fact, the Bible tells us that we must do this. We see this in 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every single spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So we must test everything we hear against the word of God. And if it doesn't line up, we have to disregard it. Jesus also warns us to take heed of false prophets. In Matthew seven fifteen through 16, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are, and it stops there. So Jesus warns us that we will know false teachers by their fruits. If they are of Christ, then they will produce good fruits and will not pervert the word of Christ for their own gain. The idea of false teachers was also discussed by the Apostle John in Second John 1, 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever abides in, abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. So John emphatically states that not only are we supposed to be vigilant of what God teaches, but we, if we do hear them teach anything that goes against God's word, we are to ignore them so we are not caught up in their evil works. After all the warnings issued by God in Deuteronomy, John, Jesus, and Jude, you would have thought the modern church would have taken heed and fall, not fallen in the same false doctrine, but it continues in the church today. We see this with the prosperity gospel which teaches that if you believe you can achieve anything, and if you're not achieving anything, it's because you lack faith. And the only way to have your best life now is to believe harder. Pastors like Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes and others are happy to tell you to achieve your success and reach your goals through their many self-help books. Ladies and gentlemen, the only self-help book you need is the inerrant word of God. We also see pastors like Jesse Duplantis, who went on a telethon a few months ago and said, I honestly believe this. The reason why Jesus hasn't come back is because people are not giving the, uh, the way God told them to give. He told people to call the number at the bottom of the screen and told them to call and donate. He also went on to say, 
I really believe this. If people would call this number and put the, this victory over all the world, every available voice, every available outlet, the Father would say, Jesus, go get him. Mr. Duplantis and other preachers like him are multimillionaires who have made a living off of distorting the word of God. They have deceived millions of people with their false doctrine for nothing more than promoting themselves and making millions of dollars. David Paulson, in his book, A Commentary on Jude, writes, It is rather pathetic when you meet people who are trying to get as comfortable and wealthy and healthy as possible by faith. Faith is something much, much deeper than that. It is a faith in God, a faith such as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. You can throw us into a fiery furnace and our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow down to your God. False teachers that come into the church are more dangerous than non-believers who try to argue the existence of God because they can destroy the church from within. They can cause strife and divisions among the body. We see this with people who argue that the King James Bible is the only version of the Bible that should be read. I'm here to tell you that is a lie, and there have been better translations of the original text of the Bible that have come along since 1611, when the King James Bible was written. False teachers in the church are hard, hard to spot and easy to be deceived by and to turn from God and follow them, which is why Jude wrote this letter. He wanted to make sure that the body of Christ had not forgotten the past and what happens to those who failed to adhere to the the teachings of God, and God led astray by false gods in their quest of fulfilling their earthly desires. Jude gives us three examples from history that show what happened to those in the church who failed to listen to God's word. In verse 5, he says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of Egypt afterward, destroyed those who did not believe. God led the church out of bondage from the Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea and led them through the desert with the promise of reaching the land he wanted to give them. But along the way, they lost sight of God and refused to follow the commandments by which was given to them by Moses. And they followed other gods. You all know this story. They never made it to the promised land and were constantly destroyed by rival armies. The second is that of fallen angels that were led astray by Satan. In verse 6, Jude says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day. Second Peter 2.4 also makes this reference. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept there until judgment. If God was willing to hold angels accountable for following, falling away and following false teachers, then he will also hold us accountable for doing the same thing. Jude's third example was that of Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed these cities for their perversions and following Baal and other gods. In verse 7 he says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undergoing 
punishment of eternal fire. In 2 Peter 2, Peter also mentions the stories of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah as well. These are examples serve as a reminder of what can happen when we listen to false prophets and teachers and are led astray. Just in case those examples weren't enough to remind us, Jude also gave us examples of what happened to three people who perverted God's word as well. In verse 11, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Cain was self-righteous and did not place his faith in God and ended up murdering his own brother. Balaam was a pagan prophet who thought he could benefit from doing God's work. And Korah was a Levite, jealous of Moses and Aaron, who brought judgment to him and his followers for refusing to follow those whom God put in power. Jude tells us what happens to those who engage in teaching false doctrine. In verses 14 and 15, he says, It is also about those that Enoch, the seventh son of Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord has come with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all other deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Jude makes a reference to a quote by Enoch, who is the seventh son of Adam. This quote is found nowhere in the Bible the Bible that we know. It does appear in the Apocrypha, which we've talked about before. If you're interested in reading it, the quote comes from the book of Enoch, chapter 1, verse 9. And there are many different websites you can go to to uh, read the book. So now that we know that there are false prophets that can appear anywhere in the church, what do we do about it? Jude tells us when we come across these individuals, we must contend for the faith. In verse 3, he says, Beloved, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude tells us that we must contend for the faith. He is talking about apologetics. Apologetics is essentially defending the faith and has become a popular field of study in Christianity. You can go to YouTube right now and find hundreds, if not thousands, of debates of people defending the faith against Muslims, atheists, and others who deny the existence of Christ. The faith that Jude mentions is in your own personal state of of beliefs, and it is not some activity that is done to show that you are a Christian. The faith he mentions is the laws and statutes that have been handed down from the beginning of the church. David Paulson, who I quoted earlier, says, But unless we are willing, like Jude, to say that is wrong, as well as that is right, this is true, but this is false, we're going to lose the battle for the faith once delivered to all the saints, and we will be to blame. If we don't take a stand against the false teachers that appear in the church, we will be held accountable for it. If you hear someone saying something in the church that does not line up with the word of God, then you must put a stop to it. It can and will lead to divisions among the body that will cause people to stumble. In Philippians 1, 27-28, Paul says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, 
I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. We must live our lives in a way that reflects our faith. So when we call people out, we are not labeled as a hypocrite. We must also stand united in the faith, willing to give an account for the faith that was delivered to all the saints. Peter tells us that we must also be ready to give a defense of what we believe. First Peter three fifteen through 16 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Always be prepared to defend the faith. Call out those leaders, teachers, and members who seek to pervert the word of God for their own gain. Stand strong in the faith. How do we get ready to defend the faith? We need to be praying for wisdom and the words to speak when we need to speak. We also need to be reading the Bible daily. Ask God for discernment, and if you don't understand something, seek out the answers. Jude tells us in Jude 20 through 23, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. We are constantly build we are to constantly build ourselves up in the faith. Keep your feet on the narrow road. Be kind to those who doubt when you encounter those who are leading others astray. Stand up with kindness and speak out against those false doctrines. Show mercy as Jude says to those who speak false teachings so that we may through love lead them back to Christ and keep them from the fiery pits of hell. Now I know what you're thinking. Have you seen the way people act in today's day and age? People will call you names and degrade you or worse. They may kill you for speaking out against them. Contending for the faith is dangerous, but it's something that must be done. Before we close, I want to leave you with one more quote from David Paulson. You see, every Christian must live dangerously. This world is not a safe place for Christians. We are living in enemy-occupied territory, so it is the most dangerous thing to be part of the church. We are called to live dangerously dangerously because this is Satan's world. We know we are of God, but we also know that the whole world lies in the grip of the evil one. What Jude discusses here in this book and what I preached on today is dangerous for us, but it is something that must be done, and it is what we can do for God. In closing, I want to remind you of one of my favorite verses, and it is one that I quote often. John 3.30 says, He must decrease, or he must increase, but I must decrease. We must get out of the way of the Lord Uh, and let him work in us. If we are grounded in the word and focus on Jesus and Jesus alone, we will be able to stand against the false teachers and preachers that are out there. 
If we remember the phrase, so that some might be saved, it will strengthen us and give us the boldness we need to share our faith and to defend it. After all, in the end, as Paul Washer says, you say that the most important thing on the face of the earth is to know Jesus Christ. That is not true. The most important thing is that Jesus Christ knows you. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your message today and for this short epistle from Jude. Help us always to be on the lookout for false teachers and give us discernment when we hear false teachings. Give us the boldness to call out those who teach false doctrine. Keep us safe as we go home today and throughout the week. And as always, thank you for being the author of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're not a follower of Christ, today is the day of salvation. If you're would like to know more about Christ or would like to accept him as your Lord and Savior, or if you need prayer or healing for anything, we'll have people up here to pray with you. Before the praise band starts, let me go ahead and speak the blessing of God over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand up and sing. (laughs) Now, right now, Steve, get up. (laughs) God is good all the time. I know you like singing this one. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. And through the darkest night. His light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. And through the darkest night, his light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. If you're walking through the shadows, under shadows all around, do not fear. Thank you. Merge.